tell you something, peeps. Every <laughs> once in a while, you get an opportunity to do something that's extraordinary. Well, today is that day. Today is Dan, July 20th. You're watching Market Call. I'm Guy Adami, joined by Dan Nathan. But wait just a second here. In a minute, Tom Sosnoff, founder and CEO of Tasty Trade, will be joining us. The guy's a stud. If you don't know him, you're just doing everything wrong. And later, the great Carter Braxton worth of worth charting. He's going to be come on. We'll talk a little about semis and see what's going on there. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Tasty Trade, empowering the individual investor through content, technology, and know-how. And of course, we're powered, Dan, by Open Exchange. Dan Nathan, how are you? Yeah, you know, you said something extraordinary today. I first got to meet Tom Sosnoff, I want to say back in 2009, um, his firm then, Think or Swim, was sponsoring a show that you've just become, you love the show. It was called Options Action. I did it for 10 years. He sold his company to TD Ameritrade, and they were the sponsor of that for years and years. And obviously, he started Tasty Trade and Tasty Works, the brokerage arm, the online brokerage arm of that. So Tom is a legendary options trader, but I actually think a phenomenal educator too. You've dedicated, Tom, welcome, welcome, welcome. You've dedicated you know, years and years of your life and your expertise to helping individual traders understand the product of options and how to use them to kind of better, I guess, express their views in the markets and, and create wealth. So Tom, thank you for joining us on Market Call. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks, guys. We're thrilled to have you. And you know, you're also, if memory serves, you're an ex-Drexel Burnham Lambert guy, as am I. And I will tell you, Wall Street is littered with people from Drexel, some of the best people I've ever met, but that's probably for another show. So Tom, Everybody's quick to call market bottoms and stuff, and we're going to throw some graphic ups to talk to that. I don't know really how important that is, how helpful that is, but if you take a look at this cacophony of sound around people saying, you know what, bottoms in, Da Vinci Code, all this nonsense that I don't really understand. I mean, is it just noise? I mean, should we even get caught up in this stuff? Did you just use the word cacophony? I did. Isn't that a great <laughs> word? Cacophony of sound. That is, a, I'm, I'm a little teary-eyed guy. That was, that was beautiful. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's noise. I mean, it's engagement. It's something to talk about, but sure, everything. In, you're talking to an efficient market theorist. Everything is noise to me. But noise is, going back to, you know, our floor trading days, we would just gravitate to wherever the noise was because that meant there was opportunity there. So noise is synonymous with opportunity to me. And where are you seeing the opportunities now? I'm not looking to play stock market here, but I mean, I would submit the last four or five months, you know, if you do things the way you do them, have provided some of the best trading opportunities we've maybe seen since the great financial crisis. Well, you know, again, great trading opportunities usually come from what looks like price extreme, but it's really like volatility extreme. So price extreme is just, you know, is a, is a byproduct of, really high volatility, really just expensive prices, big expensive moves, that kind of thing. So for traders, and, and this is not necessarily, even though I don't like to differentiate between traders and investors, because mm -hmm. I think everybody is the same person. In today's world, opportunity is a product indifferent, and it's almost durationally indifferent and product indifferent, meaning you can trade anything, any strategy, and any product with today's technology. And so nothing's off limits. That's the cool thing. That's yeah. the difference between 2022 and let's say 2002 is that everything's on the table now. 
So it doesn't really matter what you trade. It just matters wherever wherever you think there is opportunity based on, you know, extreme price or extreme volatility. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, when Guy just mentioned such big words like cacophony got me kind of, you know, thrown off there a little bit. But, you know, sometimes it just makes sense to, to kind of bring it down to the lowest common denominator here. You're talking about what was mispriced maybe was volatility, you know, in the lead up into this recent rally that we've had, Tom. You know, you know, the S&P is up 6% in a week. It's up 10% from the June lows. And when I think about what's gone on between today and yesterday, yesterday was this rip-roaring, pretty broad rally here. But today, it's like, okay, we saw some of these highest price stocks, all right, the highest volatility names of the last year that have been the hardest hit, they are ripping today. And that's what's different to me day over day here. And I think a lot of investors, let's say they looked at Netflix's earnings. Netflix was down you know, 70% from its highs into this print after two massive gaps. In April, the stock had a one-day 35% gap after earnings, 25% one-day gap after their April earnings. And the fact that it wasn't a disaster, the ability for the stock to go sideways is causing this stock to rally a little bit. So I'm just curious... When you think about, you know, money moving out of, let's say, value back into growthy names, is that an opportunity? Does it have some legs to run here if the news is not going to be worse than what some investors have already priced in? Well, the answer is possibly and very maybe. But, you know, I mean, because I guess none of us know. But, but really, Dan, I think what you're saying and I think what's fair is that there's two takeaways for me from the recent market action. One is that we're obviously way closer to a bottom than, than we are top, of course. And the other side to it is the market has priced everything as if there is virtually no outlier risk now. You know, what happened in Netflix, the last two earnings cycles, and believe me, I know because I was trading both of them and, and it's been my worst trade of the year. And I didn't even have a, I didn't even have a Netflix opinion. So I'm very familiar with, intimately familiar with what happened in Netflix. But I think what the market's really telling us is that there's a lot of churn risk in the market right now, and maybe it's directionless. Maybe it's got a little, a few more legs to the upside. I don't know, but I don't think there's any outlier risk, which is really weird because earlier this year, the market was trading with huge outlier risk to the downside and, and to the upside too, to a limited extent, but really to the downside. There was a lot of velocity risk. We're not seeing that at all today. So the difference is that these high beta stocks that you're just mentioning that have really been on a tear the last couple of days, and, and that, you know, that includes a host of $18, $20, $25 stocks as well as you know, $100 stocks, all these high beta stocks, which have beaten down so much, they didn't have a lot of velocity risk left to the downside. And people just said, you know what? I like the risk reward here. And I think that that's, that's kind of what's played out. I don't know if it's got more to go. It probably does a little bit, but in the last hour, they got a little heavier than they've been. That's all. Let me say something, Tom, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but I've been a long admirer of your work. And one of the things that I admire most about you, where most people shy away from contact or from conflict, you embrace it. You actually sort of want it. And I'm going to push back on something you just said a few minutes ago, because I have a much different view. So just give me a minute. and Let's see if we can have a little bit of a conversation. You said you don't see any difference between an investor and a trader. And I understand that at a certain point, but here's what I would push back on and say. If you try to wear both hats, what winds up happening is this. If you have your investor hat on and you put something on as an investment and three days later it's up 10, 12, 15%, the trader and you says, holy shit, I can't believe this. And boom, that investment becomes a trade. 
if you're a trader and you put something on for a trade and it goes down 10, 12, 15% over three days, you say, well, you know what? I still like my thesis here. And that trade becomes an investment. And you go back and forth. And I would submit almost by definition that if you do it that way, over time, you're going to blow yourself up. Thoughts? I mean, I think in because I'm, a, I'm primarily an option trader, even though I trade every product and I'm very active, like already today, I've made 135 trades today. So I'm a junkie on top of everything else. I disagree because I look at the world in very short-term cycles, like 30 to 45 days. So I don't necessarily think of things in hours, but I do think of things in days and weeks. I don't think of things in months and years. And for me, has that led to some investments that have lasted for years? And the answer is yes. But I think that the world's changed over the last, you know, let's say 10, 20 years. And given today's technology and given the how we understand the use of capital today, as opposed to kind of the ways we used to think you had to use capital, and we're so much more capital efficient with respect to strategy and technology, that I think that everybody is, I'm, I'm going to say, everybody is kind of a blend of that same person. I don't think there really is a big difference between investors and traders anymore. No, I think that's interesting. And, you know, I think, and I'm asked that question because I think what you've tried to do with the Tasty ecosystem, the community, is to sort of take that knowledge, take that wisdom and impart it on people. That, and that's not intuitive, by the way. And have you found that to be successful? Has the community embraced that? Well, what we have found is the community embraces, what we try to do, Guy, is to is to suggest that challenging people in the world of finance, one of the best places to, to basically draw a line in the sand and challenge somebody to embrace risk is in finance because of the efficiency. There's nowhere else where you can find really good markets, tight markets, efficient pricing that you can trust. And obviously very little risk in the clearing side of it, you know, in the, in the fungibility of it. So, so I think from a business side, we have embraced the risk-taking aspect of finance and the challenges, the strategic challenges of finance. And I think people eat that up. What they don't eat up is us trying to tell them what is going to happen next, because I think they recognize that that's kind of a crapshoot. But I think what they do embrace is, hey, somebody going out there and saying, hey, you know what, Dan, guy, it's okay to speculate. It's okay to take some risk. We agree with that. I mean, like we, we lead with the fact this is what we're doing. We're calling it the way that you're seeing. You know, you guys have plenty of tools in which, you know, lots of different investors, traders, however you identify, can kind of express your views in the markets, use stops, whether it be with futures, define your risk with options, you know. And that's one of the things that we, again, we spend some time thinking about. If you look at, I just want to go bring it back to the market here. And if you look at this SPX, though, you know, back in early June, remember that trial balloon that was floated about, you know, Fed funds future were pricing about a uh, you know a ninety percent chance of a fifty basis point hike, right? And then we had that news story from the Wall Street Journal came out and said it was going to be 75 and the stock market went down over the next week into that Fed meeting 10% or so. And if you look at this chart here, you see that gap that we had here and we're basically filling in that gap. Is there a little room maybe to 4150? We have this Fed meeting next week. I think everyone believes that there are going to be 75 basis point hikes and possibly, you know, that maybe a 50% chance of that in September. When I look at the way 
say the SPY, the ETF that tracks the S&P 500 is priced between now and next Friday, Tom. I think it's too cheap. With the SPY around 396, the at the money straddle, the put premium and the call premium is about $12. That's about 3% in either direction between now and then. And if you have the stones to pick a direction right here and right now, you're risking at the at the money call or put about one and a half percent. That seems way too cheap. Thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think that anytime you have right now, the VIX futures are trading at just under 27. They're 26.92 or something like that. Let's just say close enough 27. I think anytime you have VIX futures at 27, which is 50% higher than historical norms, and you have no outlier risk, I actually think the at the money are priced too high. So I'm not trying to play devil's advocate or just to be, you know, a contrarian, but but I do love love the the both sides of this discussion because I'm actually on the other side. I've been harping on the fact that I think volatility is is probably 10 to 20% too high. And because I don't feel like there's outlier risk, I think the front month at the money volatility is too bunched up and it's too rich. So I'm actually going to disagree with you. And I think it's too, I, I just think there's too much premium in there. Well, let me ask you this. Do you, do you disagree? If I said to you that I'm very heavily convicted that the S&P has topped out after the 6% move over the last couple of weeks, and I want to express that view playing for it in the SPY, let's say a move back to 380, I would say, you know, risking one and a half percent here looks like a good way to do it. I mean, you know, oh, I'd be, I mean, listen, if you're talking about a directional play yes. and you wanted to get some downside delta i would be absolutely fine with that as a, a you know from a risk reward standpoint absolutely but you know we've just found that we're not very good with making you know with with our directional timing it's yeah. quite difficult so i agree with you i think we're rich i think the market got a little rich and and it may be for a little i mean very short term frothy here but i'm not flipping the cards i'm, I'm not getting very short i I'm not buying downside delta. Let's put it that way. So it's interesting. You know, we talked about your background and my background. I know for a fact, one of the first things I learned in Drexel, we learned about bond markets. We learned about currency markets. And my curiosity is this. Bond volatility is ridiculous. I mean, you compare it to equity volatility. Totally agree with you. There's no, there's no comparison. And by the way, currency volatility is ridiculous as well. When I started in the late 80s, you know, if a, if a currency moved a percent over the month, people would be doing jumping jacks. And now it happens over the course of a couple hours. So my Couldn't question agree to you more, is this. Guy. How do you more. express that? What, do you, what instruments do you use at Tasty to express that? Because out of those 135 trades so far, I guarantee some have been in the currency market and some have been in the bond market. So I'm actually, my favorite trade... Dan and, and, and Guy, my favorite trade right now is being short dollar. I think it's the most extended product. I can look across every single asset class, and I think the U.S. dollar is the most extended commodity or, or equity, whatever you want to call it. And so my biggest positions right now, I'm short puts across the board in different currencies, and I'm also short dollar futures. So actually, it's one of my biggest positions across the board. So yeah, you're right. We sold puts in Euro this morning. I'm short puts in Aussie, Canadian, Euro, Aussie, Canadian, British pound, and short futures in the SFX, which are the small exchange dollar futures. That's the ones we use. So all the above. And I also agree with you on the bond market. I think the bond market volatility, I haven't looked today, but it was trading around 18, right around, I'm talking about the long bond, the, the ZBs. They were trading around 18. 
and the ZNs were trading, I think around 12 or something, they're both like double what they are, not double, but, you know, almost double what they should be. So in both of those products, and I don't have a directional opinion right now on the bonds. So we're short 20 and 26 Delta strangles. So it means we're short the put and the calls in both ZBs and ZNs, which are the 10s and the 30s. We're also playing the yield curve. So we are long the longer term yields. So I'm long 10s and 20s and short twos. Yeah. So just to be really clear for some of our viewers, you know, when you're short the put and the call, he's just making it, you're, you're making a, taking a view on short vol here. And the risk that you run, right, is if the price goes through the short put, you end up having long exposure. The price goes sure. through the short call, you end up having short exposure. Anywhere in between those strikes and you take in that premium and you've achieved the goal of saying that the premium was just too elevated, right, during that time period. Tom, let's talk about like on a single name. We know that you do sure. this in and around earnings. Real quickly, Tesla's going to report tonight after the close, stock around 738. The at the money straddle, okay, the call and the put premium is about $47, okay? And so again, on a 738 stock, is that a straddle that you'd be interested in selling into the print? No, no, but I do trade Tesla nonstop. I, <laughs> I think, Dan, for everybody listening, I think that it is the most tradable, most liquid, you know, option vehicle that there is. Tesla trades, it's a 700, where is Tesla right now? $737 or something. Yeah. And it basically trades, most of the spreads in there trade about three cents around mid price. So it is the best trading vehicle, you know, that exists, in my opinion. In Tesla right now, I am going into tonight's earnings. And this is a position that I've had established for quite some time, mm -hmm. but I'm going into tonight's earnings. I am short the 590 puts and the 890 calls. It's $300 wide strangle and it's trading for about $21. It's outside of the expected move, but I'm in August. Yeah. So let me just give you an August. August expected move is about $106. So I'm about 150 away on each side, 300 total. I actually don't love the trade, but I tried to get to an area where there's enough premium that I can make some money in case the move is inside. But it also has, you know, I'm far enough away. I'm far enough away. I'm 300 points wide. Yeah. So I've got a little bit of cushion. But Tesla could easily move, you know, 125, 150 points. Easy. Yeah, no question about it. And listen, any concerns you may have about your short dollar position, I want to assuage right here because the great Carter Braxton Worth shares your view, as do I, number one. Beautiful. Number two, Take again, it. blowing smoke up your ass. You don't have to do this, obviously. I mean, you think about the wealth you've created, not only for dozens of not hundreds of people, but for yourself. But you love doing it. And I'll tell you why, because you have a show each day from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday from 10 to 11. And oh, by the way, in case you're complete, just need to see and hear this, you do it on Sunday from 4.55 <laughs> to 5.45. So you love what you do. And I think people gravitate towards that because there's a genuineness to that. Just speak to that quickly before we get the hell out of here. You know, Tasty Trade has been a passion play of mine from, from day one. We're 11 years into it. It's the largest digital network, financial digital network in the world. And it's been my easiest thing to say, Guy, is I only do in my life now whatever I want that ha I can have fun doing. And I have fun, way more fun doing Tasty Trade than I do playing golf. 
<laughs> or messing around somewhere else or doing whatever. So this is how I have fun. It's a little bit scary, but I do what I love. And this has been an amazing run. And I hope I can do it forever. Well, we hope you continue to do this with us. Hopefully, you've had fun doing this. I've had fun having you on. Check out tastytrade.com. Please, folks, take a look and follow Tasty Trade on Twitter. I've said it a dozen times. If you don't follow Carter on Twitter, you're doing it wrong. EY, you do Well, if you don't follow Tasty Trade on Twitter, you're doing it wrong. And watch some of these shows live on air. Again, 7 to 3, Monday through Friday, 10 to 11 on Saturday. I don't know how the frig you came up with 4.55 on Sundays. But you know what? You're a little out there, so that I'll grant you that, Tom. Thanks for joining us. All right, man. That was good stuff. Again, I've known Tom for a long time, and he is, what he says, he's a bit of a junkie when it comes to trading. I mean, there is no stone left on turn on any instrument. You know, he loves trading options. He loves trading futures. It sounds like he probably not only is he on TV all day or doing on Tasty Trade, he's trading all day and night too there. So that was fun, guy. Hopefully Tom will come back soon. All right, let's bring him in. The aforementioned Carter Braxton Worth. How are you, bud? Aforementioned, it's always a good way to start. <laughs> Guys having a little fun with your background there. It was, you know, yeah, here on killed Market- it last night on Fast Money. I mean, people like, did you know? I'm like, of course I knew that. I mean, people you think I'm just this adult. I mean, I you know, know a lot of shit. And I nailed that, by the way, in terms of the Guggenheim and the exhibit. Yeah, anyway, well, please, you Carter. can get overnights in the museum, you know. You give them a certain contribution, <laughs> they let you sleep in there. <laughs> All right, let's hit some stuff here really quickly. So, you know, you just heard us talking a little bit with Tom. He seems to be on the same side that you are on with the dollar. Obviously, we didn't even hit this too much, but, you know, it sounds like he thinks bond volatility is too high, as Guy has been saying also. Carter, if we throw up a TLT chart, this is the ETF that tracks the U.S. 20-year treasury here. I drew a couple simple lines. If you are betting one way higher in this thing, that means rates lower, right? And if you're voting to the downside in this thing, that means rates higher. What's your take right here on on the longer or you know longer duration bonds right here? Because this thing is making a little bit of a pennant right now. Right. I mean, it's, it's a minor head and shoulders. It is a pendant. It, it has all the elements of something that is starting to stop going down, meaning it's a downtrend. And is the day-to-day, week-over-week behavior enough to suggest that something is changing? Yep. And I would say yes. All right, real quickly, here's one on the Dixie, the U.S. dollar index. I know we covered it a lot last week. Again, we didn't even draw any lines. We just threw the 50-day up there. Are you still playing for a move back towards that 50-day, which would be the basically the uptrend if we drew it, and that's about 104, 104 and a half? That's right. And so a normal enough pullback, dip, correction, sell-off, decline, yep. whatever nomenclature one likes – and it's normal, and I would think it's got a little bit more to run. I don't know who Norman is. I don't know who Clature is. I man, I love when you use words like that. We talked. I teased saying you were going to talk about the semis in in the form of the socks. You brought with us some of the great Carter Braxton Worth charts. Walk us through CB Dubs, the Philadelphia Stock Exchange yeah. Semiconductor Index. Let, let, and let me just preface this. You know, we had a question, Carter. I think it was yesterday on Market Call because we had talked about semis before, and I think it's really important. You know, a lot of times that we spend you know you're very clear when you're 
you're making an outright call versus a relative call. And you've been doing that in banks. You've been highlighting that even though we've had this bounce in the last week or so, the relative performance of the banks have been really bad. Same thing for the semis after an extended period of relative outperformance, right, into 2021. So talk to us a little bit because you've made some calls here. You had a great call in the spring for a bounce. You had a great call that they'd come in a little bit. They did come in a whole heck of a lot, but it's been a fierce rally over the last couple of weeks, nearly 2Xing the performance of the S&P 500. Literally 2X, you got it exactly right. So the worst area of the market then reverses and becomes one of the better area of the market, which shows either how much opportunity there is, just what Tom was referring to, or how treacherous it can be. You can get it wrong both sides. But let's look at the charts and try to figure it out. The first one you see here, it's very clear what this is. This is the entire 2009-2022 bull market. And semis blow out through the top of those perfectly parallel lines. So up through and out of the channel and now back into it. Let's look at the same time frame, but put in the smoothing mechanism, the 150-day moving average. And so how far above or below trend moving average can you get before you have a counter trend move up or down back to trend? Well, let's zero in on this exact same chart, make it shorter term. And so what you'll see here, that's the exact same chart. It is the socks with the 150 day moving average. So the question is this current bounce, which is exactly 19, 20% double the S&P, does it have legs? I think it starts to peter out here and look at the next couple of lines and how uh, the drawings, again, each person is entitled to draw the lines they want to draw, but one line to draw, and that's very clear here, is that we're up against that minor downtrend line. Now let's repeat that line and make it a channel. And so, hmm, those are perfectly mathematically parallel lines. Now take a look at this bounce in the context of the one, look at that. I mean, it's exactly the same 19.9% each one. And then finally, look at the next one. They're both 11 sessions. And you could say, what is this? Some sort of voodoo? It's all exactly 11 sessions. It's not. It's just that sometimes there are rules of symmetry. And this bounce is very symmetrical to the one that preceded it. And just as that bounce petered out, I think this one starts to peter out here too. So if one has no position, do you sell a call credit spread, for instance, above the market? Or do you buy a put or put on a risk reversal? Or do you just trim your longs in semis? Or if you've been short the whole time, but not big enough, do you use the bounce to get even more short? I think all of those approaches are valid. It's interesting. There have been some great options traders in the history of mankind. <laughs> options Action was able to sort of bring them together in a television show. Dan mentioned that with Tom earlier. One of the great option traders clearly today appears to be Nancy Pelosi's husband. I mentioned that because <laughs> let's throw an NVIDIA chart and magic of NVIDIA. Oh, my goodness gracious. Look at that little bounce seemingly out of nowhere. But, Dan, let's talk about uh, NVIDIA because this is one you've had nailed. Oh, recently. but this is, I mean, Guy, for you to bring this up, I mean, Paul Pelosi, you know, a late 70s guy. He's trading up the options. He's getting DWEs. He's like got some good pillow talk about the CHIPS Act that's being voted on on the Hill this week. I mean, this is ludicrous. It, I don't care what party you are, who you identify with. I mean, it is absolutely 
absolutely insane that close relatives and our representatives are allowed to trade stocks, options, that sort of thing. This thing has been on a ripper. But guy, you and I have been talking about this. And Carter, you know, I know that you, you know, you've been a seller of rallies and you just look at that thing getting cut in half, right? From all those all-time highs last year. This stock was still trading an absurd, you know, multiple to sales for a semiconductor company. But again, you know, well below its 52-week lows from a year ago. Is it kind of trying to put in a bottom guy? It was enough damage done. Is this the one that people want to be focused on as we come out of this? Probably so. I mean, this is going to be the sort of stock that will probably be the next trillion dollar market cap company over the next leg of the bull market. This is the beta trade, I think we've talked about it for a while. We'll look at the better company, I think, of the two. And I shouldn't say that. I think the more reasonably valued company, yeah. which happens to be AMD, if we take a look at that chart, again, very defined downtrend we're seeing. Maybe we'll trade up to that tra- downtrend, see what happens if and when we get there. Carter, quickly, you look at this chart, and I think you would submit nice lines by Dan Well, Good job. You're looking at a moving average that is probably... We're not going to see in the foreseeable future, but do we get up to this trend line? What happens if and when we do? Right. The trend line is very clear, right? You have multiple touch points. And does the current rally, substantial as it is, peter out? Or does it have a bit more? Can it eke out gains and get to the downtrend line? My hunch is all of this is getting a little steep day-to-day, hour-to-hour. We've seen a fade intraday, of course, in the S&P and to some extent semis and others. I guess in, in the simplest approach is to have your cake and eat it too. You stay long, but you sell premium. You sell calls. I love there Carter you Worth. I, I know. You know, I can't even begin to tell well, you. Guy, last night, you, you haven't even mentioned though. He's kind of got the sniffles here, buddy. That sounds like he's, a little bit. Kind of sounds. Little, it sounds like you're playing in my throat. You're, you're right, playing hurt. Right. Let me let, let me tell you something. You know, I had COVID the first week of May, and I had what you have. It lasted for weeks and weeks, and I probably had like three chamomile teas a day with like lots of honey. So try that out there, Carter Braxton. All right. Well, I don't have the vid, but it's okay. I just well, I'm not saying bro- I'm not trying to out you on the vid or anything. Right. It's all right, you know. So, but no, I have something. All good. All right. Well, feel better, buddy. We right, appreciate guys. you stopping in here, man. Thanks Thank a lot. Right. Dan, right. before we get out yeah. of here, I mean, it's actually it what appears to be a benign day. It's actually turning into a pretty interesting day. You know, whilst we were doing this, and we had yeah. a pretty significant sell-off in the mar- market. Looked like it had some leg. Maybe it still finds its legs, but. You know, we had this little rally early, giving some of it back. You know, maybe people jostling around or what is yeah. going to be a pretty interesting number out of Tesla, I think, today. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it would be interesting. I would be – what Tesla could do, if it was a big disappointment and it dragged the NASDAQ down, it would tell you that this kind of rally that we've had over the last week or so is really just kind of a re- release valve sort of thing, right? Sentiment got really – we hit the sentiment yesterday. got really negative here. You know that you have these events coming up here, you know, with earnings. And so maybe it was just an easy way to kind of release some pressure to the downside. But I think the Carter's charting in the semis is really, you can extrapolate that to a lot of other sectors, right? It's a well-defined downtrend. It's got right back to, you know, the kind of upper band of that. And if you're looking to make a bet for a breakout, you better get good fundamental news. Mm -hmm. And the last point I'll make is that, you know, we threw up that S&P chart earlier when we were talking with Tom. You know, to me, look at the violent action that we had once the, the market became, you know, I I guess they realized that it was going to be a greater than expected rate 
hike at that June meeting. I mean, man, if they hike 75, which is fully expected, and talk tough on inflation, I just can't see the market rallying after that next week. I don't know. Give it to me. Well, look, I mean, that June 15th meeting, I think it was a Wednesday, when they finally did have their little press, whatever the hell they call it. The market did rally, and it looked actually set up pretty well that night. And I think it would have rallied that Thursday. Now, I don't want to get too wonky here, but Wednesday night into Thursday morning is when you heard... I think it was the Swiss National Bank raised interest rates seemingly out of nowhere. And I think that's what really derailed the S&P on Thursday. It found its footing since then. But to your point, are they going to derail it? We'll see. You know, I thought 4,100. I mean, I was looking like a hero about an hour and a half ago in terms of just the S&P grinding higher. We'll see what happens. I'm going to stand by that. But I enjoyed that conversation with Tom Sosnoff. I think it brings something different to the conversations that we have. He looks at the world much differently, obviously. But I think that sort of dichotomy is interesting every once in a while, Dan. No doubt. I mean, listen, you and I grew up with very, very active traders. I grew up in that world as it relates to equities and options. And you just don't see it that much anymore. And I think the point that he made about the tools in which he's using, right? So if he's, you know, wants to short volatility, he can do it with defined risk, right? He can sell call spreads. He can sell put spreads. If he's using futures, you know, on multiple different currencies to express a bearish view in the dollar, he can put that short put position on it or that short futures position on it. He can set stops. And I think that's really important. So hopefully as we get to spend more time with the guys from Tasty Trade and Tasty Works, which is their online brokerage, we're going to dig in a little bit more on the actual trading of these events and instruments. Yeah, no question about it. Stay tuned, folks, because that's coming to a theater near you. But that's it for today's market call. It was Wednesday. You had Carter Worth. You had a surprise guest, but somebody you'll be seeing a lot more of in Tom Sosnoff. I want to thank our sponsors, FactSet, Tasty Trade. We're obviously powered by Open Exchange. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. with EY from SoFi, who made it on Squawk Box this morning at about 8.55 funny if you follow us on twitter she mentioned she would be on my tweet back to her was don't suck she said thanks for the pep talk i mean that's why twitter should be a 90 dollar stock not a 38 dollar stock but that's neither here nor there dan nathan say goodbye to everybody all right bud thanks that was a lot of fun thanks to carter braxton worth always bringing in and listen you know i think it's important that we kind of look back on some of our views because we are allowed to change our minds we are allowed to double down on those sorts of things so thanks carter on the semis thanks to tom Saznov and guy adami thanks to you buddy oh and hey if danny moses is watching we'll give him a special shout out because he does like to watch our market call If he's watching right now, you're a sexy bitch. Happy 63rd birthday. And your list of top records of all time was miserable. Sorry, Dan. All right. I didn't. That's not what I was hoping for. But happy birthday, Danny Moses. You know, hopefully you'll be back on Market Call. Guy, I'll see you tomorrow. 